Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. It's Jane Atkinson here, and as the founder of the Wealthy Speaker University, I want to let you know that new courses, new programs, new coaching offers are constantly being explored here. If there's something that you've thought would be helpful for growing your business, drop me a line. Uh, we're really open to hearing new ideas, and you know, this is how I would really love to see this, and this is a topic that I could really use, uh, as well as the podcast. Um, today, I was just exploring the idea of doing a live virtual workshop, and so that's going to be something I'll need input from you all in terms of how to best spend a couple of hours. You know, what topics would you really want to dive into? But let's get to today's topic in which we're really drilling down to two forms of getting more business. Number one is crushing the platform. Number two is rocking the video. The video is really required to get you onto those bigger platforms. And our guest expert today is Robin Creaseman. Welcome, Robin. Hey, Jane. Good to be with you. <laughs> well, it's been a while. Two old friends catching up here. We haven't talked for a while, and you've been up to some stuff. So I'm going to read your um, general intro for speaking, and then we're going to fill in the blanks. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Robin Creaseman is an award-winning television producer, motivational speaker, musician, and entertainment industry expert known as the rock star speaker and performance coach. He teaches success strategies from the world of entertainment on how to rock your performance, whether you're on stage, in the boardroom, or on a sales call so you can book more business, wow your audience, and grow your influence. Robin, fill in the blanks. What else do we need to know about you? And I want, you know, you have a really, really rich and cool background. So please, I'm giving you permission to name drop all you like <laughs> and uh, tell us, fill in the blanks here. Well, Jane, you and I are buddies. We've known each other for a long time and worked together for a long time. And um, much of my career has been in the music and television industry. I didn't come into the speaking business till uh, about 2001, and I was solidly active about 10 years. But prior to that, most of my career has been in the music and television business. Started out as a, a recording artist uh, for USA Records and um, uh, toured for about six years. Went on Star Search back in the day. Uh -huh. Sawyer Brown, uh, <laughs> the first uh, year that was on, beat us out for the $100,000 grant prize <laughs> and um we did three records and and uh i wanted to be a rock star that was my my goal and it finally just kind of just didn't happen you know we had a lot of regional success and some touring success but it just we didn't get over the hump and so um i got involved with television one of my longtime best friends and mentors guy a few years older than i uh brought me into television to help him on a travel series back in the day uh for tnn the nashville network and my wife was a flight attendant, and I could fly for free, so I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah. Uh, he taught me everything there was to know about television. I started that as an uh, associate, um, kind of a gopher guy, and, and, and basically scouted locations and started writing episodes for this travel show and then ended up producing it and directing it for seven years. And that led into a 25-year career of producing primarily music documentary type series and lifestyle entertainment series for TNN, the Nashville Network, NBC. We did the first um, 
NASCAR special for NBC. I did five um, uh, specials on Jeff Gordon, the NASCAR driver, yeah. produced Terry Bradshaw, and then a lot of country music artists had a series called Full Access on Tour that ran for six years that basically was a behind-the-scenes uh, look at life on the road with virtually everybody that was anybody in the late 90s except for Garth Brooks. Wow. So Trish Yearwood, Vince Gill, Brooks and Dunn, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, uh, Travis Tritt, Joe Diffie, Pam Tillis, just a who's who of the 90s country artists were um, people that I spent four, five, six days on the road three times a year documenting their life. And um, it was just an absolute blast. And that led into a lot of other productions and series. I have a, a, about over 100 hours worth of broadcast television that I have produced and directed over my years. And um, it was just fantastic. And then in 2001, uh, TNN was sold. That was kind of our bread and butter. And I went out on my own. And my second client was the International Speakers Bureau. Mm. That's where I first met you. And I was introduced to uh, the world of speaking. They wanted someone to come in and help produce some events and, and work with some speakers who were experts, but maybe needed a little help in their presentation skills and then um, uh, produce videos. And lo and behold, I got absorbed with uh, producing and working with um, keynote speakers, rock stars in their world, uh, Hall of Fame speakers, experts, best-selling authors. And uh, I didn't know that much about the speaking business, except my dad was real close with Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. My dad was a pastor, and I got to see some of the best speakers in the world as a preacher's kid, but um, didn't really know much about the corporate side of things. And so I moved my little office down inside the uh, International Speakers Bureau for <laughs> years. We were, we were down the hall from we each were other. We cube, were cube, almost cubicle mates. We were down the yeah. hall from each other. But um, and, and you did that for quite a while. But then uh, you took a little detour for a few years, and now you're coming back as a performance coach. What were you doing right. in, the, uh, in the hiatus there? Well, I, I, at, toward the end of my time with working with speakers, I started speaking myself. And I actually spent about th two and a half, three years as a keynoter. Mm -hmm. uh, and I spoke a lot of chapters across NSA. And actually got to speak on the main stage in 2008 when we had the um, NSA Rocks convention. That was awesome. Yes. Uh, but then I got called back into television. And so my last series was uh, a series called Troubadour, Troubadour Texas. Uh, it was a 22-hour, 22-episode, um, one-hour documentary on the upcoming singer-songwriters on their journey to success. It was kind of a, a very um, uh, authentic uh, uh, what's it, alternative American idol, if you will. You had to be full-time artist, and we were helping them. You had to be full-time, and we are helping artists um, stand out from their pack and document their their path to success trying to get a record deal. And we signed 11 different acts to national labels, and about 14 got publishing deals. And I did auditions with about 700 acts to come through that series. And I was a supervising producer for that for four years on the CW network. Super cool. And then, and, and because of that, no doubt uh, that was a big part of the move from Dallas to Hill country. To Austin yeah. I took area. the year off last year. We finished in 16 and took the year off and moved down from Dallas down here and kind of taking a chill pill. And <laughs> my wife said, you've had a, you've had enough time off the off. You got to get back to work. So <laughs> I stepped back into doing what I love to do. And that's working with speakers. I'm speaking some will be this year, mm -hmm. but primarily I'm focusing on helping speakers stand out on stage rock and stage. deliver what I call a rock star keynote. Okay. And so that's where we'll begin our conversation. Uh, you know, you've, with this rich music background, you've spent a lot of years on the platform in 
two different ways. So one, as a rock star, and then uh, two, as a keynote speaker. Tell me what some of the differences might be between those two, you know, the sh- you're doing a show versus a keynote. Um, there are some differences, but more importantly, there's a lot of similarities. Okay. Let's talk about those. Uh, so let me, yeah, let me focus there for a minute. You know, first of all, as a, as a, as a musician, there's a difference between a wannabe musician, um, kind of a garage band guy and a opening act person and then a headliner. Mm. And the same thing we have in speaking. There's, there's the, the rodeo, rotary club, you know, uh, startup speakers. There's the independent speaker and there's the bureau focused speaker. And, and everyone, each of these two categories are trying to, you know, stand out amongst themselves and they're trying to be good at what they do. And, um, but there's a lot of competition and here's what's interesting. Every level that you go to as a musician, as well as every level you go to as a speaker, there's a new level of competition and you step into a new realm that you now have to start over. And so a lot of us get excited about the success we're having and that excitement and that success holds us back from the next level. And I remember when we first got our record deal, we were already real popular in our regional area. We got our first record deal. We thought we had it made. But now we are now no longer competing with the regional acts, but with during our day was Loverboy and Rick Springfield and Brian Adams. um, Small fish, uh, big ponds. Yeah. Yeah. And so our, our competition was now our game had to be up big time. And, and, um, we actually toured with uh, some, I mean, Hugh Lewis in the News was a, a big thing for us, the Porno Sisters. We toured with them and seeing different levels of what they were doing and what we had been doing regionally was a, a, an eye opener. And so as a as a, a rock star, and I and I use the word rock star, and let me qualify that. Yes. It's not leather, you know, leather pants and hit songs and sex drugs and rock and roll. It's, <laughs> it's not that. Uh-huh. It's about really being great at what you do so good that people want to hang with you. They want to, they love you. They, you know, you're the chosen one Yeah. and you can be a rock star author, a rock star CEO, a rock star ball player. You know, it, it's just being the best of the best. And so that's what I refer to. Um, when I'm meaning a rock star speaker, it's not that you know, it's all about, Ooh, you, yeah. you're just, you're not going to really carry a guitar on stage, but, but, but one of the things that I think this podcast can help, prepare people for is really taking that next step up to the bigger platform, the bigger stage. So some of my clients, we're preparing them right now for not audiences of a hundred in the hundreds, but audiences in the thousands and the two eye mags on either side of the screen. And now you're in a different ballpark. Okay. So can we, can we imagine that that's what we're prepping people for here on this uh, podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So what will, what's different for them when they walk onto that stage? What do they have to bring that they might not have to bring at, you know, a smaller workshop setting or a few hundred people in the keynote? I think a lot of it is uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. First, uh, you know, um, there are a lot of really good musicians, if you will, that have a dream of being a rock star, but don't have what it takes to really go the extra mile in pursuing their dream. You know, some people have goals and some have dreams. And I think most rock stars that I know have committed to reaching their dreams by becoming great at what they do, never taking no for an answer, believing in the power, there's a will, there's a way, you know, that kind of thing. Well, same thing with the speaker. You've got to think differently. You've got to think like a rock star. You've got to um, prepare like a rock star, promote like a rock star, perform like a rock star. So what do I mean by that? You know, 
probably the simplest answer, Jane, is that think about being a producer when you're crafting your keynote. Uh, a lot of us just go out and do a standard, you know, talk, mm-hmm. and um, we. I don't want to say wing it necessarily at that level. I think if you're, you know, playing on those bigger stages, you're not really winging it anymore. Mm-hmm. But have you really refined and refocused and made it your absolute very, very best? And one thing I know about rock stars and of any industry, those that are the best of the best, they have coaches. Yeah. They work with people like you. Um, they have they have mentors. They have people that that um, hone help them hone their craft and as a television producer much of my career and a music producer has been about having that thirty thousand foot you know view overseeing everything because i'm responsible from the beginning to the end the overall concept of the show and i've got other people that work in the minutiae a lot of times but i've got to make sure that the overarching essence of what that show is about is done and delivered perfectly and a lot of us don't take that perspective we're so down in the trenches that we're not seeing the bigger picture. We're not producing what we do. And every performance, whether it's a broad Broadway play, a rock concert, a comedian on stage, um, of course, any kind of live performance, it is produced to the max. There's a stage director. There's lighting directors. There's acting coaches. There's makeup artists. There's Every part of that has been written and scripted and uh, perfected, rehearsed to the point where it's perfected. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I see that's missing in this industry versus the entertainment industry is the performance perspective. Mm, I like that. Okay, so if we were to break it down into different elements, and and really um, there are specialists out there on all of these, you know, I really think about it like a craft. You're crafting a presentation, but there's all these different elements about it. There's humor, making sure that you're um, adding humor and peppering it throughout and having a good, um, you, you know, making sure that you're not going too long before you make people laugh again. Uh, there's flow, you know, the structure of the presentation and the points that people are covering. A lot of people try to do too much, which I think we should probably talk about. There's story, there's voice, um, there's body, uh, you know, all of that. And, and I think what you're saying as a producer of all of that, you need to narrow down on each of the each of those topics, right? And And make sure that you're doing all of these things to the best of your ability. That's exactly right. In, in a television show, it's a 60-minute program. You've got really 45 to 47 minutes of programming time. Mm-hmm. The other parts are commercials. And so usually you're looking at six to seven uh, segments inside that that uh, episode, very similar to a keynote. You've got an open and close, which are the most important of anything. You've got to begin big and, and end even bigger. Mm. Um and then you've got your your individual segments. And the worry that, that producers go through and sponsors go through on television is capturing an audience's attention. There's so many choices, so many channels. Mm-hmm. And so when they're surfing and they hit your program, you've got to jump off the page and you've got to capture them in that first 20, 30 seconds so they don't go away. Then it comes into the next minute, then the next three minutes. And so your first seven minutes of of your opening segment has got to be so engaging that when it comes to the commercial, and we're going to lose them now for two to four minutes, they're going to want to come back. Right. And that's really, so first seven minutes, the first things that are out of your mouth, should that be the thing that you have down 
the most out of anything in your presentation? I mean, I find after seven minutes, now I'm relaxing. I'm in my groove. Absolutely. I believe in, you know, that you, it's going to be a bad word for a lot of people, but you memorize mm-hmm. your opening and your close. Mm-hmm. You, you memorize it so well that no one knows you're, 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 you know, reciting something, you know, it so well. I call it in your bones. It's in your bones. It's in your and bones. now you're just having a conversation with people. Absolutely. There's something about, um, uh, rehearsing mm-hmm. to the point where you know that, you know, I mean, think about it from a musician standpoint for a second, just jump over there real quickly. Okay. First of all, you've got to, you know, the song has got to be written. Then they've got to, re- uh, know the song so well that they go and record it and they come back and they rehearse it time and time again. And they deliver that show over and over and over. They don't think about the performance of that song. They don't think about the chords, about the words. They know it so well in their bones, as you say, that they now can perform it. And that's what you want to do as a keynote speaker. You want to be able to perform and 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 be so authentic in your performance that they don't know you're performing. It's never about showing a performance. Right. It's about being so authentic. It's funny. I was watching um, the first episode of American Idol last night. Oh, really? And you saw that? I was watching iHeartRadio, so I missed it. <laughs> it was. It was. There's some cheesiness to it. Obviously, it's yeah. changed a lot from when I, I used to be a fan when Simon Cowell was back mm-hmm. in the day. But yeah. Um, there was this girl that thought she was the best of the best of the best. She was the Broadway performer and she came on and she was so freaking over the top and yet she thought she was so great. And the, the audience, I mean, the answer was from the judges, you know what, you may be really good as a singer, as a talent, but in this market and what we are, we're country music, pop music, and R and B. Lionel Richie was talking about that. And in this, in this industry, in this little niche that we have, what you do does not work here. It doesn't fit. And so because she was performing and she was giving you, you know, 90 to nothing from the beginning. So there's a part of that that you've got to have the overarching view of the of the big picture. But you've got to get in the trenches. And that first seven minutes has got to stand out like crazy. And you've got to know it so well, to your point, that you can kind of begin to loosen up and be in the flow. But what's interesting Go ahead. Well, I was going to say and be present. You know, when we have our clients uh, prepping for TED Talks, you get it in your bones and you do all your work on the front end, but then you forget all about that and just show up and be present for those people in that audience so that you, you know, aren't robotic about it and being in your head about where you're going next. Absolutely. I've got um, some friends who I know who have know their keynote so well. Boy, if anything changes, anything happens in the room, mm. they, they can't, get lost. They can't deal. They can't handle it. Because they're no. not present. They're in their heads. And then they're delivering it really, really well. Mm-hmm. But it's about being authentic. It's about knowing it so much that you can talk around it without saying it if you don't have to. If something happens if a fire alarm goes off. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, you've got to go with the vamp and be able to, to know, stay in the moment. And work through that emergency, and then when it comes back to you, you got to keep going and not be so, you know, tied to a memorization of your your presentation that you you get lost. You got to you got to know it that well. Yeah, in your bones. I like that. Okay, so if we wanted to add, let's say we've been going along delivering kind of the same old same old presentation. What if we wanted to add more sizzle? What that what might that look like? Well, I like to take every segment of your speech um, and break it down as a module. 
Okay. And inside that module, it's got to be produced as well. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Right. And you've got to make sure every one of those 7 to 11 minutes, which I think is the kind of the ultimate time frame. I'm basing this on television and on the statistics that we know of keeping people's attention. Every 7 to 11 minutes, you've got to do something different. And so in that 7 to 11 minutes, just like coming back from commercial break, we've got to catch them, capture them in the beginning have a solid middle and have, you know, tease them and entice them on the end that they want to stay and want to come back when we lose them for commercial. Okay. So that same premise brings, uh, comes to the forefront in, in your keynote. And I think it's about in the simplest terms, I think each segment has got to have a great setup, your spin on what the problem is, what you you know want to talk about, mm-hmm. you kind of agitate that a little bit. And then you have a story that, that showcases that in, in reality. Uh, or in a, in a different form of size facts and figures. And so you tell that story and then there's a uh, an application from that. There's a lesson learned and how does it apply back to the audience? And so in the simplest terms, it's a setup, story, and application. But your story may be two minutes and you need four and a half or five minutes. Well, you tell a second story or you tell a longer story. But I think how you add sizzle to it, it's about the quality of the stories that you're telling, mm-hmm. the... Um, uh, the, well, let me, let me set the stage here for a moment. There are certainly different types of speakers. Some are very informative, high content, a lot of um, financial, you know, uh, banking industries, um, things that are different than than customer service necessarily. Right. And so the type of type of content you're, you're going to be delivering, the type of entertainment factor you might bring to the table um, is different, but yet it's the same. It's the concept is the same. You've got to engage. You've got to entertain. You've got to inspire. You've got to motivate. And so when you are in that process, you know, sometimes just a short little little moment of, of, of a fun story can break that monotony. Um, I, I sing some in my, in my presentation. So that's something as a, as a musician, I play guitar and sing. So that kind of breaks it up, but I do it with the story and a message behind it. So if you're not a magician or a comedian or something, how do you do that? Well, story is the best way. Story can, can be funny, can be emotional, can be hilarious, you know. And then, and then the point at the end of the story is your opportunity to, to turn it around and make it about them. You know, do you Absolutely. encourage your clients to do their homework, do their research so that their audience can be the heroes in their stories? Absolutely. It's not about you. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I see a lot of speakers makes. It's too much about them mm-hmm. and not enough about the audience. It's a data dump. Right. Uh, they're boring and it's just um, they're irrelevant. And so you definitely have to know who your audience is and you've got to plan for that. Um Peter Sheehan is a dynamic speaker and he's a high content speaker and he is so keen on who his audience is. Um, I saw a video not long ago where he was doing a a big conference, but there were four different industries represented represented there and they're all over the map. And yet he opened up and he's talked to each, each one of those industries made a point that he knew who they were, what they were about, what they were looking for, but it was different than this other audience. Um, audience and which was different than this group or which is different than this group wow. but the overarching center that related to all of them was this Came back and to, so oh that's so good uh, i would like to i, I want to put a link to that video in the show notes is it is it readily available on youtube it's on youtube i forgot it's a um we'll find it yeah, we'll find it. We'll it's put a 40, it out. It's there. a forty-eight minute keynote. Okay, thank you for that because uh, Peter's a great one to learn from. So, 
Wow. I like that a lot. And the customization. Okay. So let's talk in terms of customization. What do you think we have in the can and how much do you think, what percentage do we customize each and every time we go out? 80, 20, 70, 30. What is, what is your thoughts on that? Well, you know me, I'm a big believer of the flagship signature keynote. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, you know, every, every act that you've ever seen on a, on tour is doing the same show every night. Right. They rehearsed it, they prepared it. Right. Yet they're, they're in a different city. They have different, you know, vamp here and there, and then they make it, them feel special. I don't think we can be that tight, but I do believe 80-20. I believe that the best okay. of the best of your keynote needs to be the best of you. I think it needs to be crafted and honed and produced and quote-unquote scripted to the point that you know what you're not going to say, not that you're going to repeat it verbatim, mm-hmm. but you're putting the best of your knowledge. And the reason they're bringing you in is to be your best and um, uh, give them the best. Now you want to make it about them. You always turn the message relative to them, whether, um, you know, depending on what organization it is, you, you use their verbiage, you use their vernaculars, you 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 make it relative relevant, excuse me, to, to that person sitting in the seat. So you, they know that, that you're talking to them because some of us just go through and just verbatim and they don't make it about them. And that doesn't work either. Mm -hmm. So, but I want, I don't want you, in my opinion, I don't want you custom, I mean, uh, writing a new speech for every client, right? That's not the best of you. Right. And, and when you write it out, um, it gives you the ability to craft those pieces and then each time you take your 80% and you customize your 20% and get and get that particular audience included and feeling like uh, you really know and understand them like Peter Sheehan did. What do you think is the first thing out of your mouth? A lot of people talk about beginning just, just help me dive into the story, paint me a picture. Do you believe in starting with story right out of the shoot? Um. I, it certainly can be. I, I love that. Um, you can set the tone a little bit. You can, um, you know, provocative question of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was when I was keynote a, a while and I was going out as the rock star speaker, people were booking me to um, be the opening keynote and bring fun and entertainment to it. I, I brought my guitar and stuff. And it was all about how you could be a rock star in your world. And um, uh, so I come up something like, uh, you know, rock and roll has been a part of our life now for over 50 years. From Elvis to the Beatles. Eric Clapton, Elton John, the Monkees to Madonna. I mean, we love our rock stars, right? You got Bono, Sting, McCartney, Mick Jagger, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> okay, just kidding about <laughs> right. Jagger. So you're getting the laugh. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, hey, these rock stars have stood the test of time. They've separated themselves from the average musician. So blah, blah, blah. And so how can we do that? How can you do that? Well, today we're going to be talking about such and such. That's neat. And then I'd go right into a story. Yeah, that's neat. About being in a concert. Um, so... They get the idea that this is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got music playing underneath me. So mm-hmm. as a producer, I'm using my PowerPoint, quote unquote, to um, have music beds underneath me. I have a lot of photographs of of, of uh, rock star images and stuff. So when I start talking about being at a concert, they're seeing a concert mm-hmm. image on stage. So it would it would captivate them and that it's it's a different model than the CEO speaking, right? Right. 
and that, and that you're shaking them out of their cell phone, really, because most people, when they're sitting, they sit down to a presentation, or if they've been in a, pre- they're looking at their phone. So you've got yeah, to grab them and bring them into the room with you. Okay, so it it could be a powerful story, it could be an idea, a concept, and you're giving them the concept of rock star, and then you're going into story. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, What do you think some of the best practices are for keynotes? You know, maybe we're talking about stage or voice or tone or tempo. What what do you think some of the best practices might be? Yeah. Well, um, finish, start big and finish bigger. That's first and foremost. You've got to have that. And I like to think of your keynote as a roller coaster. you know, there's so many different emotions and feelings when you're going through a roller coaster. You're as you're leaving the station, you're grinding up that that hill. You know something's coming. There's a big anticipation, and then boom, you go down the 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 big drop, and you took a big turn, and you go about another turn, and then you start climbing up that next one, and you go around. Then you get to the top, and you go through the double loop. You, you know, you're a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> so I, I like that analogy to keep them on their toes because so many times we're we're either boring throughout or high energy throughout and you know all that begins to get uh tiresome and i th- like to think of it as a um a set list if you were to think of a rock star concert and what happens in the set list there's a big difference to what i'm about to say compared to what a speaker is because and this is important and you mentioned it kind of a moment ago when you're going to a rock star concert that anticipation is already there you're excited. You've laid down hard money for that ticket and you've gotten your date together and you're going out and you've got your friends and you are excited about that concert because that you're a fan of that artist. When they come to see us speak, most of these times, most of the times people don't know who we are mm-hmm. or anything about us. Right. We're the guy that's going to be taking 60 We're minutes. We're not pre-sold. After conference. We're not pre-sold, are we? Not at all. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. have no okay. expectation about who we are. Huh. And so they're sitting there waiting, going, all right, you better be good. Yeah. Show me good. Let me see yeah. what you got. Yeah. And so I think, you know, if you look at a rock star concert and you break that down in your head, and let's just say there's 10 songs there, there's usually about 18 to 22, but let's say there's 10 songs. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they pace out your set list is very, very strategic. Right. Um, the rule is always to start with your second best song and end with your best. Ah. And then there's they, they categorize songs on a um, how fast or slow. If it's a slow song, a, a mid-tempo song, or an up-tempo. Right. And then one's a sing-along or one's a jam song. Um, you know, they've got, they pepper their hits through some of that. And so there's very strategic how they're laying that out. And they're usually three to five minutes long. The jam songs are five to six minutes. Um, but the, the, the hits are usually you know, three and a half to four and a half minute songs. And so they add these in back to back, those that work well together in the same tempo, maybe in the same keys. And then they talk, have a break where they talk, you know, how's everybody doing here in mm-hmm. Seattle? Right. And maybe tell a little story. There's a, there's a peppering of that throughout the concert, but they are building um, up from the very beginning to the middle section. And then a lot of times they come in and do an acoustic section, right? right? Right. And it goes unplugged. They maybe come out into the audience a little bit. Now it's more of an intimate time. And then they start bringing that back up again uh, at the end and to leave you on a high. And then the applause, applause, applause. But guess what? 
There's, There's an encore. encore. <laughs> Come back and they give their, their very best song. Yeah, the cream And there the may crop. be a second encore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll end with just an acoustic thing or something a cappella mm-hmm. because that's kind of saying, all right, we're done now. Mm-hmm. But they have taken you on that little bit of a roller coaster ride. And so when we're looking at our speech, putting our producer hat on, we have to look at the same thing. Okay, what are my high point moments? What are my fast songs, if you will? And then what are my slow songs? Right. And so oh, um, I like that. The emotional so you could kind of categorize. Of, you could categorize all of your segments in terms of energy, almost, couldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. Those are more poignant. Those are more um, content heavy, you know. And some, and I think you can use the stage in that same scenario. A lot of us use the stage as a, as a platform. And, I mean, a centerpiece where we just stand there. And I like to think of using the stage like Mick Jagger uses the stage versus James Taylor. Right. Both James Taylor sits art. in one po- – he's all about the voice, whereas Mick is everywhere, right? That's right. And so use a combination of that. I mean, James has got a much better voice and much better story songs that really kind of call for that – more of an intimate type thing. I mean, James gets it riled up. I mean, I'm not saying he's not because I love him. So, but I, I, something just dawned on me. Your James Taylor moment is when you are at the end or telling a very um, emotional story or something that you just really want people to. So you're standing still and you're making them come to you. Whereas a different shift of energy, you're you're moving all over the place, like using the stage to tell different part, different types of stories. That's exactly right. I like to think of going from 2D to 3D mm. because in the television business, you know, we have the talking head interview style. Right. And then that's that gets the information across. I mean, that works. There's the person who has the story. He's telling the story. The words are the same. And you get the story, right? Right, right. But then you add the quote-unquote B-roll, what we call B-roll. It's the other images that relate to what he's talking about. When he was in that cabin down by the river and his child was out fishing before he fell in the in the, the, the river, right. you know, you, you see that cabin. You see that child out there with the fishing pole. And all of a sudden, he falls in and, and the father's running out. you seeing that while they're telling the story. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh yeah. my goodness, you know? Yeah. So – Use the stage to kind of set the stage of the story. Yeah, that's good. I like it. I like it a lot. What else? um, Is there anything else that – I guess we could also be thinking about our vocal range. And I just love when you're talking about these different acts and how they might deliver their set list. You know, I'm thinking about that now in a different way, and I really like that you're bringing that to the table. So thank you for that. Um, range of voice and um you know maybe kind of whispering to bring people in to tell a a story that might be a little bit different talk about uh vocal range a little bit for a sec well vocal range and energy can be uh, a huge asset for you or as well it can be a big deterrent Mm. um like this girl on on american idol the other night Mm. last night she was on 10 all the way through and everyone was cringing yeah. And nobody wants that. No. Um, so you have to use that emotion. And there's times when you do get soft and your time get um, quiet and you slow down. And other times you're, you know, man, this is so hilarious. Um, yeah. There's, I was speaking for a, a large um, uh, network marketing company. They do uh, home shows in 
Asheville. And um, uh, I've been talking about, you know, what it's like to to be a rock star in your industry and so forth. I said, and it just came to me, and I, I've, I've used it since then, but it came to me, is, wouldn't it be so cool if when you were coming around into the neighborhood and you're about to do your home show, that they knew that you were so awesome, that you were reached out to others, you made it about them, you put others first, and you're a rock star in your world, that there was a big group of people out in the, in the front yard and go, oh my gosh, she's here, she's here. And I started jumping up and down the stage, uh, across the stage. Place erupted. <laughs> yeah, like it just kind of came to me, you know. But uh, that was over the top. That was an over the top moment. And yet it worked so well. Had I stayed at that level? Oh my gosh. It would, it would be they kicked me off stage. Mm, yeah, know? yeah. Because work. and we we need a break too. As the audience, we need we can't take a ten all the way through. You're exhausting us. Likely in, you know, if it goes on for too long, we need to be calm too, and we need to not be taking in. Wouldn't you say that uh, many people, and myself included, try to give too much? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm bad about that too. Data dumps are one of the worst things you can do as a speaker. Yeah. And here's here's the thing. A keynote is not supposed to be a workshop. Mm. A keynote is supposed to be an entertainment-focused educational experience. Um, you want to give education. You want to make sure they're getting content from you. Mm -hmm. But if it's not done in, in an entertaining way, it's not going to happen. So less is more. Absolutely, less is more. And I, I you know, I've I've uh, failed on this myself. I was using the rock star um, acronym uh, early on, and too, I think the message just was very, very good. And there were short pieces, but it was too much. Uh, eight eight points. So three, four points max is max. really what you want to deal with. But there needs to be one focus, one overarching theme, one common thread uh, that holds it all together. Yeah, all the way through. If you don't, if you can't, if you can't summarize your your keynote in one one sentence, one focused message, mm -hmm. then it's too much. Yeah. Uh, and I was covering too much back then. Okay. Okay. Um, so focus on one one overarching idea with three basic three points. Yeah, and we joke in this industry about used to be Lou Heckler three points in a poem. <laughs> Yeah, true. Uh, that's just a joke. But yeah, I think that three points is really solid. And uh, it's nice to have one thing. I've always said that if somebody walks out of the room, having just seen you speak, and somebody who missed it says, Oh, what did they tell you, you should be able to say, you know, well, this was the one thing. This was what it all came back to was this Absolutely. one thing. You know, he, he told us how to be a rock star at anything that we do in life. And then he taught, he drilled it down to this, this, and this. Cool. I think the one thing message permeates your whole brand Yeah. as well. Your website, your yes. brand, your personal brand, what you're known for. Which, I think we get yeah. so deluded that they can't. Yeah. We want someone else to be able to tell people about what we do succinctly. They can repeat it and tell someone else versus us are be, being the only one that can tell us what we do. Yeah. I, and so, that comes all the way back to picking a lane, which is absolutely you know, wealthy speaker one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. So let's talk uh, just for about five minutes about video because in order to get the gig, we need to be able to show, and I know you just have this really rich background, so I didn't want to leave. I know video doesn't really fit into what we're talking about, but it does in order to get you the gig. <laughs> so absolutely. what mistakes do you see people making in their demo reels? 
Well, I think I think speaker videos have changed okay. since I've been gone over the last five years or so. All right. Uh, you know, I produced over a hundred different keynote speakers demo videos, mm-hmm. and um, which opened a world of of learning for me from a, to be a speaker coach and helping them in their presentation. Right. But um, it used to be that you know videos were twelve to fifteen minutes long. Right. That's gone. Um, I was always a proponent and a and a you know, did this in all my videos, the first two minutes have to rock. Right. First 30 seconds have to jump off the page and the first two or three minutes, if they stopped there, they got enough. Mm-hmm. They don't have to watch anymore. And that's still the case. Um, but I think three to five minutes is kind of a, um, for a, a beginning to a midline speaker, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'll, I'll say the, the, the bigger speakers, that's probably all they need too. Mm-hmm. But they're still are, are uh, you know seven to nine minutes is where they're landing, um, and at least the speaker videos that I've been looking at and researching and, and my understanding of the trying to understand where things are, the guys that are the rock stars, the they're in that seven to nine minutes. But I get it in two or three. I yeah. don't really need to know much right. more than that. It's icing on the cake, the the second seven minutes, uh, or the That's seven exactly minutes. That's exactly right. Um, I have heard, um, and having worked in a bureau, of course, for many, many years, I, I know that clients um, can run through uh, videos with, uh, so, so say you're a bureau and you're presenting four speakers to the client, two minutes, Yep. Thanks. On to the next two minutes. Yep. Thanks. On to the next two minutes. And you're thinking, oh, these guys aren't flying. Nobody's going to, you know, they're not going to buy anything. They're only looking at two minutes and they come back and say, yeah, I'll take number two. You know, they only need two minutes. People who are high D decision makers, they're just going to blow through and two minutes is enough for them to make their choice. But the, That's other, exactly right. the seven minutes after that for somebody who's getting 25, 30 K, you know, they're making sure. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I've always, I've always, my goal was always to make your video end, end up in the maybe pile. Yeah. There's a trash pile in the maybe pile. And doing exactly what you explained a moment ago, they're going to quickly put it in and take a look at it and they can decide if I want to look at that later and review it some more. That's the maybe pile. They can quickly decide, nope, not for me. And it goes in the trash pile. So the goal is always get into the maybe pile. That's when they'll bring out your other materials. You maybe look at it a little bit more. Right. There may be a committee involved. Yeah. And so they want to just to make a assurance that it's going to be real. Let me see the whole seven minutes. Good, good. But the yeah, first okay. 30 seconds to two minutes is it. All right. So you've been doing some research lately. What are some of the best speaking reels that you've seen or what are some of the components? Well, I think uh, sizzle sells still. Okay. Um, fast moving cuts, a lot of energy, a lot of great crowd shots. Um, a lot of big stages, a big stage says so much without saying a word. Yeah, so true. And that's what I'm saying to my clients is we're going to show you on the big stage, even if that's not what you're doing all the time, because that's where you want to be. So Absolutely. Well, uh, Kendra Hall, one of my clients has this great saying, we'll speak for video. This is something that she did back in the early days. She would have taken a free speech in front of 5,000 people just to grab that video. And I think that's really good advice. Don't you? Absolutely. Kendra is one of my favorite hot speakers right now. Mm-hmm. And I love what you guys have done together. I-, I love her website. I love her video. I love her message. I love what she does on stage. She's the total package. Yeah, she really she's is. A hot I don't right take now. a lot of credit. Just know uh, she she's 
a woman who really is an amazing writer, an amazing talented person. And so uh, what she's done is mostly on her. I've just been here to guide the, you know, for a while there, um, we were trying to get her business. She said it was like trying to push the boulder up the hill. And then, and then my questions from her became the boulder chasing her down the other side of the hill. And she had a whole new slew of problems that we had to sort through. So, uh, but really they've done a, an amazing thing. Okay. So we've got kinderhall.com to go take a look at a good sizzle reel. Who else should we uh, point people to? Probably Peter Sheehan has a pretty good demo. On his Peter site. Sheehan has a great one yep. as well. And, uh, Victoria, you know, Victoria LaBomb. Victoria, La La Victoria for years. We'll make sure that she we is put the these bomb. in the uh, show notes and, and I love that Victoria's coming at things from, you know, she trained as a mime. So she's got the body, um, she's really in her body when she walks on stage. And I think you're seeing something very different from somebody else. And I think that's interesting to study that as well. So Victoria Victoria's LeBond. a great, great model. You know, I've worked with Victoria since the very, very beginning, mm. did her very first videos. And um, she is someone who takes what she does so extremely serious. I just yes. I was with her this past week craft. in New York yeah. on another project, and it is a craft. And she she takes everything to she produces to the max. She's a great producer, and she thinks about her audience and how she can make it unique to them and everything she does. And so when you look at Kendra and when you look at Victoria, uh, two great models, Vic, uh, Vince Basenti, our great buddy, and mm-hmm. your you know partner for years and years. Yep. Um, uh, he's brilliant. I was talking to him the other day and, you know, he's got five or six keynotes on his, on his page. Um, and I started saying, Vince, what, what are you doing with all these different keynotes? Go, oh, I know I'm, I need to refocus that. I said, what is everybody booking you for? Well, the Olympic story. Yeah. I said, well, then that's you don't get yeah. off tangent anymore. And he goes, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But he's <laughs> brilliant yeah. at that. And he, his keynote rocks from the moment, you know, the first 70 seconds, rocks. And if people and so haven't I, seen it, it's Vince up on a chair demonstrating what it looks like to go 150 miles an hour on skis. Uh, that's what he, he was in the sport of speed skiing. And it's just something that really, and what's funny about that, Robin, is might've, might've changed when you came into our lives, um, is that we were so afraid to show that at, in the early days, we were afraid that that was going to scare clients away when, as soon as we put it up at the front, um, everything changed. And, and, you know, one other thing that we had to add to it because we weren't showing it in the demo reel was the heart. He didn't have um, on the reel. He he didn't have any um, any moments that kind of pulled at the heartstrings, and so we just got him shot talking to the camera about what it meant uh, for him and his dad. Um, for him to, yeah, I did pro- that video provided. Yeah, you remember? Uh, I know. His dad had been in the. He had provided his dad with the best moments of his life, and then his dad actually unfortunately passed away a few months later. And so even though he didn't win at the Olympics, you know, it, the question became, did I win? You know, you tell me. And uh, that really added something. And that was the corner. I mean, that was a massive, massive flashpoint in Vince's career was um, – Getting getting the video together to that degree that made the difference between getting ten thousand, you know, struggling to get ten thousand dollars and moving up to fifteen. I remember cutting those videos. Um, you know, he had five or six 
keynotes and he's doing that uh, the chair bit all the way through and so i cut pieces from mm-hmm. each different uh, presentation and made it the the singular presentation and yet so he's in different stages different clothes different moments but the 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 the, the uh, context was all the same right and it was just so funny and poignant and brilliant Powerful. and entertaining and yeah. the people's expressions on their face when they're seeing him on that stage they <laughs> think he's going to fall off at any moment uh, he always talks about can the first 70 seconds of your keynote be the first 70 seconds of your video mm. and it was yeah. and it was it was amazing for him and yes to your point that you know adding the, the father story in there softened that side because it was just it was hard it was real and everyone could experience that so yeah. he had so many different dynamics kind of that same roller coaster mentality inside his video as well um but even to this day, it's it still rocks. And so, you know, so I would say Victoria, Kendra, Vince, uh, Ving, uh, uh, Vin Jang oh, yes. is great. Yes, Peter Sheehan is great. Okay. Um, on a little le- le- not less quality, but a little different dynamic of a speaker, Karen Mc- uh, McCullough. Yes. Who is so um, funny. So funny. And yeah. she's different. And um, she's a cross-generational expert. Yep. And but it's it's not necessarily the big big stages, but it's very different. She and then someone be on the big stage, if she's she, not, she should be absolutely because yeah. she's that good. Yeah. Um, and then someone who is I, I don't know her. I, I know that you've interviewed her, but Erin um, Gargan. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's doing. She's uh, just watch out. Erin Gargan will be uh, the belle of the ball here in, in very short order she's already on her way there and i can see her doing crowds of fifteen thousand people she'll i can she, too she'll be rocking it so as soon as the uh, direct selling clients catch on to her and i think it's already starting to happen uh that will be she'll just and and we just had this conversation recently it was you're just setting you just need to get all your systems in order in order to manage what's about to happen i'm i'm so lucky and blessed and you probably feel the same way that i get to surround myself with such cool people robin i know that's what i've missed i really honestly i've still stayed in contact with a lot of my friends because I still spoke some during my television day, so it wasn't like I ran away. Mm-hmm. I've still been following in, in the mix of things, but not taking on clients. But you're absolutely correct. I mean, these are some of the most fantastic people and you know that we get to meet and get to hang with. And in our ex- situation, the chairs that we sit in, we get to know them so, so well because we are partnering with them and building their careers. It's very, very cool. But Erin is someone that I think is someone who may not have a bunch of big stages, mm-hmm. can look at her video and look at some of the, the principles and the concepts and apply them to theirs because she's got a lot of great use of graphics, yep. uh, some media placement, which I'm not a fan of. A lot of people used to start off and, and have interviews with them. If they can just, someone can just see you in an interview mm-hmm. or on a television you know, show, that's all you need. You don't want to, planners want to see you on stage. Right. But through great graphics and great um, testimonials and just imagery, she was able to do that, use that in her video, makes it look a lot bigger than what it might have been had she not. So mm. use and, some of those techniques. And let's um, circle back to something important that you just said. People do want to see you speaking. They don't want a lot of bells and whistles. Just get 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 yourself speaking. And even if you only have two minutes of raw footage of you on the stage on your homepage, that may be enough for now, don't you think? I, I do. And, you know, Sally Hawkshead, who's a brilliant, mm-hmm. big time, big, big, big time speaker, 
her page is basically filled with a lot of one or two minute clips, mm. excerpts from her keynotes at, from different places, and that she just pulls those out. So she's got a her you know her um, header on her speaking page is um, just a a silent no audio of imagery of her on big stages, which says again with, it, a lot it without saying. It speaks volumes. Oh, that's such a good point. Well, we have given everyone probably about 10 links to sites to go and look at and to watch the videos. And I want to tell you this. My theme this year is focused hustle. That is a focused hustle move. If you yeah. sat down for an hour or two and studied videos, um, that's what those people who are on those videos have already done. And that's why they're on our list. So really be thinking about, you know, yes, it's work. Yes, it's going to take some time, but do it because that's what's going to get you there. And they're your competition. Yeah. They're your competition. Just like when we got the record deal and now we're competing with Rick Springfield and Night Ranger and Brian Adams. Yeah. These guys are your competition. If that's where you want to be and you need to be thinking big yep. and planning, planning to be that, you've got to be articulating all the steps that you need to, to go through to to be at that level. And so you got to look at the model and see what you've got to strive for. And so that's your competition. Robin Creaseman, wow. We have packed a lot into our 52 minutes together today. If people would like to know more about the Rockstar Coaching that you do, where should they go? Uh, my website, Robin Creaseman, R-O-B-I-N-C-R-E-A-S-M-A-N. Or if you forget that, just think of Rockstar Speaker. Go to rockstarspeaker.com. And um, you can sign up for my little email list. And uh, I'll give with you the, the 10 biggest mistakes that I f find that key, keynote speakers make. But also you can, down at the bottom, if you'd like just to schedule a free call with me, just to chat about where you are in your speaking and how I might could help you, uh, I'd love to do that. You can just Great. go to my page and go down to the bottom and click a link and pick a time and We'll have a call. Love it. Love it. Well, Robin, thank you so much. If you uh, listeners have appreciated the information that you have gotten today from this podcast, please give us a rating. Give us some um, testimonials. Share it with other people so that we can get the word out about the Wealthy Speaker podcast. We have been building momentum now for, um, I think I've been doing these interviews for probably over five years before podcasts were even really a thing. But um, I want to say thank you uh, with massive gratitude for those of you who have been listening to all of the uh, podcasts and for helping us become more known to everyone else. And with that, we will say uh, thanks again to Robin Creaseman and we'll see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Wealthy Speaker Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free Wealthy Speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, Wealthy Speakers.